let's thank Spencer and our team, our choir, for leading us this morning. Yeah, such good stuff. Well, hey, let me again add my welcome, and some have just slipped in recently. Um, and if you are newer to the chapel, uh, we haven't ever connected with you, we'd love to hear back from you. And the easiest way for you to do that is just to shoot us a, a quick text message, text the word guest. The number's there on, on the screen. It's also in your worship program. Or you can fill out the Connect card that's included in there and tear that off, drop it in the giving boxes on your way out, or stop out at the Welcome Center. And uh, we'd just love to connect with you, hear a little bit about your experience, and uh, help one another move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. That's why we exist as a church, to help each other uh, in that journey. A couple things that we want to let you guys know about. Um, a couple times a year, we open up our chapel store. It's just an online store, and uh, sometimes people will say, man, where'd you get that t-shirt? Or, hey, where'd you get that mug? Or, and uh, so a couple times a year, we open that up, and uh, if, if you want to buy some chapel swag, it's a great time to do so as we approach the holiday season. Sometimes people like to grab a, a hoodie for their for their teenage son, or a, a mug for their spouse, or a, a co-worker. Uh, there's hats, all kinds of great options there. And you can find all that on our website, uh, which is live now, thechapel.family backslash store, or you can text the word shop to that same phone number that we always use for texting, uh, and it'll take you right there, and you can find out about the options. The cool thing about it is anything, any money that is made because of the sale of these chapel items goes directly outside of our walls. It's not for us. It's for others. And um, for this run of the chapel store, it'll go towards our nursing home ministry, just helping come alongside the elderly in spiritual ways, in physical, tangible ways. <coughs> Excuse me. And so uh, you can know that if you, if you make a purchase, it's, it's making a difference in somebody's life as well. All right, so check out the chapel store. I um, also want to let you know that Celebrate Recovery, which is a fantastic mem uh, ministry here at the chapel, helping people move past their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And there is a very special gathering for uh, Celebrate Recovery happening on Wednesday, December 1st. We will have the Northeast Regional Director for Celebrate Recovery here. Um, this happens at our Sandusky location. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and uh, you can come check it out, learn more. Uh, and find help on the journey. And so that's coming up soon, a big celebration, special, special night, and we just wanted to let our whole chapel family know it's open to anybody that would like to come. All right, we've all got uh, hurts, hang-ups, and habits. Finally, next Sunday, if you show up, it is going to be very, very lonely here in this building. The reason is the church will have left the building. You know, we come here on the weekends and we say we're going to church, but really we're just going to a building. We're going to meet with the church. That's you. That's us. Everyone that calls themselves a follower of Jesus is a part of his church. And next weekend, in, in kind of homage and tribute to our 35th anniversary as a church that we celebrated back in September, we want to go out and make a difference in the community. And so we're challenging individuals, small groups, families, uh, to find some strategic way to bless, serve, 
encourage someone. The best thing that you can do is just figure out who, who am I already in relationship with? Who's already in my circle of influence? Coworkers, maybe a neighbor, maybe it's an elderly person that needs help around their yard, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, maybe it's baking cookies. Maybe it's just spending that whole morning praying. Maybe it's delivering something to our first responders. And on our chapel website, there's tons of awesome ideas if you just go to the chapel.family and then it's backslash TCHLTB, all right? The church has left the building, all right? Uh, And you can find out more there, uh, again, all next weekend. We're just going to be out and about in the community serving. So it's up to every single one of us on our own. Figure out something to do. If you need help, you can go to the website. You can call the church offices, and we're happy to help you in that endeavor if you need some more ideas. And uh, just go out there, be the hands and feet of Jesus next Sunday. Then, Sunday night, we will come back. You'll be right in this room joining everybody else, celebrating what God has done during that day. We're going to finish our series in the book of Ephesians, looking at the armor of God, a tremendous night, family-friendly, and uh, that will be a great kind of capstone to the whole weekend. All right? So don't miss next weekend. Don't show up here Sunday morning, though. Go serve, and then come back Sunday night for the church has left the building. Then we'll, then we'll have our worship night. 6.30 p.m., that starts, and we'll be ready to go, and uh, Spencer and the team will be here and we'll look forward to that. All right? That's enough announcements. Awesome next steps for all of us. Today we want to continue our series in the book of Ephesians, and we land in the second half of Ephesians chapter 5 and the first half of Ephesians chapter 6. And in this particular passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul, who's writing to the church at Ephesus, is going to give some guidelines for our relationships. Now, relationships are the best of everything, and relationships can also, as we know, be the toughest of all things, right? And what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it's like the secret to growing and developing healthy relationships, whether that's our marriage, whether that's our family relationships, whether that's our work relationships. And we're going to look at how this fleshes out in all three of those categories in just a few minutes. But this is how the Apostle Paul begins in chapter 5, verse 21. This is such a critical verse for us to understand so that we can better understand the rest of what he says throughout the passage. He says these words, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, that word submit uh, means to arrange ourselves under. And the truth of the matter is we don't like to do that. We live in very much a me is greater than them kind of culture. We see it all over. And if we're honest, we see it in our own lives as well. That if we were left to our own devices... If we were left to our own selfish patterns, we would choose us over others every time. And that fleshes out in a number of ways. We, we prefer to get our way over giving way to others, right? Or we react in anger or annoyance rather than responding with love and patience. Think about how this affects all of our relationships. Uh, we shut down rather than opening up. 
when there's conflict or when we've been hurt, right? We see disagreements from our own perspective instead of putting ourselves in another person's shoes. Now, I'm not saying that we, we, we blow it every single time in this. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, our leaning will be toward self. And if, if we don't have some help to fight that, it's going to damage our relationships. And the world that we live in, like I said, is very much a look out for number one kind of culture. Like me, just do what makes you happy. Do what makes you feel good. And what Paul is challenging the Ephesians and what he's challenging us to do is to flip that. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, which is to say, I'm less, help me make others more important than myself. And this is all bathed in this, this idea of mutual submission. To submit means to arrange ourselves under another person. It means we're the one. It's not somebody forcing us. It's we are submitting ourselves. We're taking the lead by actually demonstrating a servant heart, putting ourselves second to someone else. William Klein puts it this way. He says to, to submit means to subordinate their own interests to the needs of others so that the welfare of others assumes more importance than their own. Now that goes counterculture and it goes against the grain of our humanity. But let's remember what Paul says. He says we're doing this not because the other person deserves it or because the other person is doing their part in the relationship or in the work world. He says we submit to one another for a whole other reason. As Christ followers, we can submit to others out of reverence for Christ out of reverence for Jesus. The reason that we as followers of Jesus can put someone else first, even when maybe they aren't doing that for us, is because we aren't doing it for them ultimately. We're doing it for Jesus. Because Jesus, as we, as we read just a couple weeks ago, he willingly laid his life down for us in love. And so we're simply following the model of Jesus. So what Paul then does is he begins to lay out what this mutual submission looks like in the context of all our other main relationships. First, he addresses our marriage relationships. Look at what he says, chapter 5, verse 22. He says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, right away, like some women in the, in the room are like, whoa, 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 wait a second now. And some, some of the guys in the room are like, yeah, yeah, let's, you know. Um, and let me just say, our common understanding of what it looks like for wives to submit to husbands has often been so tainted. In fact, probably we owe an apology to many women, spouses, wives in the room where men have not lovingly served and honored their spouse and yet demanded and expected this submission that Paul's speaking of. And if that's you, I, I just want to say on behalf of all of us guys and husbands, 
we have a, a greater responsibility, and, and we're going to look at what Jesus says to the men, to the husbands in the room. In, in fact, for, for a woman to arrange herself under the leadership of a husband should be one of the easiest things that they do because of the way that the husbands are loving and leading their wives. But Paul does address this. And he's saying this is the way to honor Jesus. And he goes on to explain what that looks like. He says, for a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. So, so Paul is comparing this marriage relationship to the relationship that Jesus has with his church. And what did Jesus do? He gave his life up for her. He says, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, remember, we said before that this idea of submission, it means to arrange ourselves under another person. Uh, we, we asked one of our wives, one of our teaching pastor's wives, uh, how they would describe submission. And so I want you to know that this was not written by us guys, okay? This is written by the ladies, for the ladies, okay? But thinking about what was Paul really saying, what is submission and what it is not. So this is what she wrote. Submission is not being inferior or second class to your husband. Wives are equal to our husbands in value and in worth, for we are both equally made in God's image. However, while we are equal, we simply have different roles, with him being the head or the leader of the home. She also went on to say, submission is not being passive. It does not mean you agree with everything, that you have no say, that you have no identity, no initiative, no backbone. Rather, Submission is bringing your gifts and strengths, your voice, your identity in Christ, and who you are as a woman to the marriage. In doing this, it empowers you and your husband to become more like Jesus. Somebody has said, the purpose of marriage is not just happiness, but it's holiness. God wants us to use husbands and wives in sharpening the character and countenance of one another. Finally, she writes, submission is not submitting to your husband's sinful or abusive behavior. This is so important. If, your husband, if what your husband is doing or, or the way that he's leading you is against God's word, then you're not to submit to it. God would never condone abuse or submission to sin. And so if that's you, your priority is safety, to get help and to seek counsel. And probably there's been some in the room that have walked through abusive relationships, perhaps even abusive relationships where the person called themselves a Christian. But that's not the kind of submission that Paul was challenging the Ephesian church towards. In fact, that, that word sub, submit is also a military word. And so we asked a good friend uh, who's very familiar with the military wor world, and they said, really, to submit um, to, a, to a husband is likened that to submitting to a squad leader in the armed services. And this is what this person said. They said, a good squad leader leads his team, but he knows his team, focuses on taking advantage of every, every person's strengths so that 
the team's goals are met. This morning on the way in, I was listening to Focus on the Family and um, uh, uh, Pastor Tony, uh, yes, well, well, was, was, was speaking, and it was all about marriage relationships. And he likened it to this. He said, listen, on a football team, the, the, the quarterback doesn't play the role of the center. The center doesn't play the role of the, of the wide receiver, but they all have a common end zone that they're moving the ball toward. And that's what this is a picture of. And if you, you have, a, have a good squad leader, a good husband, he's going to be leading, utilizing the strengths of his spouse. He, they went on, a good squad leader is responsible to his team, but, this is key, never forgets that he's also responsible to his superior. Listen, as the husband of, uh, of your wife, as, as the leader of your home, you are not the top authority. <laughs> Jesus is the top authority. And we have to remember as husbands that we will answer to our authority as well. And so we ought to submit to God so that our lives are reflecting to our spouses. Goes on one more. He says, a good squad leader, though, is willing to die for his guys. He's willing to rush the pillbox when his guys are pinned down. He's going to stay behind to cover the pass so that his team gets away, sacrificing himself to save the ones that he's responsible for. There's such a beautiful picture here, men a powerful, challenging picture for what it means to be a good squad leader. And that leads to what Paul says next then when he addresses husbands. He says, for husbands, this means love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Gave up. Surrendered. Submitted. This is why it's so key what Paul says in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. It's all fleshed out in our relationship with Jesus. And he's calling husbands to love the way that Jesus loves, laying down our lives for the sake of our spouse. Listen, guys, when we lay down our life for the sake of our spouse, it's going to make it much, much easier for them to just follow our lead. Because we're leading well. We're leading in love. And that's what Paul is challenging the Ephesian church towards. He goes, he goes on to say, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this, talking about Jesus and the church, to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. And instead, he says, she will be holy and without fault. So Paul finishes the section and he says in verse 33, so again I say, he's reaffirming this, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Dr. Emerson, Emerson Egriches, he uh, wrote a book based upon this very verse called Love and Respect. And in the book, he talks about the crazy cycle that oftentimes we find ourselves in in our marital relationships. The crazy cycle goes like this. Um, well, without love, when the, when the husband is not showing proper love, she reacts to the right there without respect, and then he reacts 
without love. Deep down in the side of the core of a, of a human being and of every man, is a, it's a desire to, to be respected, to be honored, to, to know that you're believed in, to, to know that uh, you're listened to, to know that uh, others respect you and honor you, want to follow your lead. But that won't happen if we're leading poorly, if we're not leading in love. So this crazy cycle is just, it perpetuates itself. And if we, if we go at things with a me is greater than them kind of attitude and we don't flip it, then we'll be so focused on getting the respect. And so if somebody doesn't give us the respect that we deserve, well, I'm, they don't deserve my love. And the same thing happens when we say, well, they don't deserve my love, and I'm not going to show love and tenderness and care. If she acts like that, guess how she's going to respond? No respect. And the cycle continues. And it will not stop until somebody says, I'm going to do what Jesus calls me to do, no matter what. I'm going to Submit out of reverence for Christ. And Emerson Egrich says that when we make that shift and when we lean into Jesus and say, I want to honor you in my marriage regardless of how my spouse reacts, it can begin an energizing cycle. So that when he shows his love, it motivates her respect. And when she shows her respect, it further motivates his love. Every single one of us in this room, we're longing for love and respect. And Jesus says the secret to this is to submit to one another, ultimately, out of reverence for Jesus. That's our relationship. Paul addresses this in this passage, and, and this is no small thing. We need Christ's power within us helping us. And then we need other people around us speaking into our lives, challenging us when we're not loving our spouse well, or when we're not showing honor and respect. Well, Paul next in this passage turns to our family relationships. And he talks about to, to children about obeying and honoring their parents. And, and regardless of your parents' age, whether you're a, you know, a four-year-old or you're a teenager or you're, you're a grown adult and your parents are in their 60s or 70s or 80s, there is an honor. In fact, the, one of the commandments is to honor our father and mother. And there's a promise attached to it, that it may go well with you. So Paul addresses that, and then he pinpoints dads. And he says these words, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. I think Paul calls out the dads at this place because he knows that we're the ones that struggle even more so sometimes with the anger, uh, demanding respect, uh, challenging our kids, sometimes responding in ways that actually just provoke the anger. Like the, 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 the Proverbs that says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs it up. And it's so easy in moments when, when your ch child, regardless of how old they are, they aren't responding the way that you want them to as a parent to come out harshly to them. And all that does is it stirs up even more anger, stirs up even more harshness, more bitterness. So Paul, he challenges the fathers. 
And guys, we need to grow in this. We can do better. And when we do blow, we need to be the first to go to our kids to say, man, you know what? I should have never said that like that. Please forgive me. Because at the end of the day, our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews, the kids that we coach, the kids that we teach, they're getting a picture of their heavenly father by the way that we lead them. And Paul takes this seriously. He says, rather, bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction that comes from the Lord. Are we leading our families? Are we leading our kids? Are we leading our spouses? Are we leading them God's way? Well, Paul then shifts from talking about family relationships. He's talked about marriages. He's talked about uh, kids and parents. And now he shifts to talking about slaves. Like, where did this come from? Well, in that day, slavery was common, but it wasn't the kind of slavery that we often think of. The slavery that was uh, common in Paul's day wasn't necessarily racially motivated. It wasn't necessarily forced slavery. In fact, um, research shows that many people chose to be slaves because they were paid. They were able to provide for their family. And so this was very common in Paul's day. And so Paul gives some biblical instruction to slaves and slave owners for how they should treat one another. And first, he addresses slaves. Now remember, this is all in the context of submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you, but as slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all of your heart. Now, so far he's talking to slaves, but in our modern day world, and some of you are like, yeah, I feel like a slave at my job. Uh, yeah, my boss is a slave driver. Now, we'll get to some instruction that, that Paul gives to the bosses in the room too. But really, the, the, some of this can be applied to all of us in our work worlds, whatever it is that we're doing in life. Most of us have some sort of role to play, and whoever our supervisor is, whoever I, our boss is, whoever the company is that we work for, some of these things can be applied to that. So think about them in that light. If you were to say, okay, workers, obey your earthly supervisors and bosses with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. And as servants of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Then he goes on in verse 7, and he addresses um, the, the stamina and the energy and the passion with which we work. He says, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good that we do, whether we are slaves or free. So Paul challenges the slaves of that day and says, listen, remember that the person that you're actually serving is not your slave owner. In other words, we need to remember that the person that we are actually serving in our job is not our boss, not our supervisor. If you're a follower of Jesus, ultimately we're serving him. And so our work attitude and ethic ought to be reflected by our relationship with Jesus that we're serving him, that we're putting him first, that we're giving it our all, not necessarily because our boss deserves it or because they treat us right all the time, 
but because we're working for the Lord. Well, then he turns the page and he gives some instruction for the masters, the slave owners of the day. He says, masters, he says, treat your slaves in the same way. He says, don't threaten them. Remember that you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. So Paul comes right at the, at the slave owners and he says, listen, you have a responsibility before God as well in how you treat those that are under you as it is with any of us that are in any sort of leadership role, whether you're a supervisor, you're a teacher, you're a coach, you're a parent. We have a responsibility in how we treat others that are under us, that have been arranged under us in submission to treat them well, to honor them, to show respect, to show care, to show generosity. And this is all bathed, all of these, in Ephesians 5.21, the very first word that we read. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You guys, we live in a very me is greater than them kind of culture. But how's that working out for our relationships? How does that work out in our marriages when you make it about yourself instead of others? How does, how's that working out in our family relationships with our kids when we make it about us instead of serving and loving them? How's that working out in our work relationships, whether it's our coworkers or our bosses, when we make life all about us and forget to love and serve and honor others? And can you imagine the difference that it will make if we live out Paul's challenge to the Ephesians, which is his challenge to you and I, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ? There's a Scotty Smith is a well-known podcaster and blog writer, and he writes a daily prayer on the Gospel Coalition's website. Sometimes we use them in our staff meetings. Sometimes we've shared some of his writings in our Beyond the Weekend devotion. And here's, here's one that he wrote based upon 1 Corinthians 16.10 that says, do everything in love. I want us to just close with this. He writes, help us love well when we'd rather be defensive right, and remain a bit smug. Help us love well when we're tired, frustrated, and sleep-deprived. Help us love well when we're in the presence of broken, weak, poor, and the homeless. Help us love well when it's time to deal with situations at work, in a friendship, or in our family, but we'd rather avoid the conflict. Help us love well when our spouse or child needs to talk, but we dread the conversation. Help us love well in the presence of people who have brought harm to our hearts. Help us love well in a, cultural, in a culture of political diatribe, divisive personalities, and unfiltered harshness. Help us love well when our takeout order is wrong our UPS delivery is late, or guests show up early. Help us love well, not just use kindness or niceness to get something. Help us love well when those we're with don't care about eternal matters. Help us love well when we don't have control over people 
or situations or outcomes, but would love to. Help us love well. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your love for us. May it be your undying, sacrificial love and our reverence for you, Jesus, that gives us what we need to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Change us, Jesus, and make us more like you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's stand and pronounce our benediction over one another from Ephesians 3.20. Read it with me. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Only confidence that our soul